0: There's a mark on every stage around the world that signifies the center of its depth and width called Center Center. Friend of the pod, James Whiteside, has dreamed of standing on that very mark as a principal dancer with the prestigious American Ballet Theater, ever since he was a 12 year old, blown away by watching the company's spring gala. This new, almost memoir, Center Center, is an exuberant behind-the-scenes tour of Whiteside's triple life, both on and off stage. Hear us chat with James about the inspiration behind the book, what the writing process was like, and what he hopes readers will ultimately take away from this collection of essays in episode 247. Grab your copy of Center Center now wherever books are sold or click the link in the description of this episode.
2: I'm Rebecca King Ferraro.
0: And I'm Michael Sean Breeden, and you're listening to Conversations on Dance.
2: Today, we are revisiting the 2021 Veil Dance Festival and one of our favorite chats from the summer. This week on the pod, we sit down with New York City based musician Caroline Shaw. Caroline is a vocalist, violinist, composer, and producer. She was one of the youngest recipients of the Pulitzer Prize for Music in 2013 for Partita for Eight Voices, written for the Grammy winning Roomful of Teeth, of which she is a member. She has collaborated with incredible artists, including Kanye West, Nas, Renee Fleming, The National, and so many others. Check out her website, carolineshaw.com, for a full list of her work. Caroline has been an integral part of the Veil Dance Festival now for years, collaborating with dancers, choreographers, and making new works. We had so much fun getting the opportunity to sit down and nerd out with her about all things dance and music. At the end of the episode, we are including Caroline's track that she created in collaboration with Jukin and dancer Lil Buck for a piece called 38109. This work debuted at the 2018 Vale Dance Festival, ran again this year, and was just a part of City Center's Fall for Dance. We talk about this track in the episode and even embarrass ourselves a little bit by singing it for her. So, enjoy. Hi, Caroline Shaw. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. We're so I'm happy. To- Shaw.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: That's true. I forgot uh, that. Sorry we're so happy to have you we spoke with you in Vail a few years ago yep. and you were with Justin Peck for that interview so we're happy to have you just by yourself and really dive into what makes you tick
3: oh thank you Thanks for having me <laughs>
0: yeah so let's go back to the beginning for anyone that may not have heard that episode from you know 1997 no. whatever. <laughs> um, and just learn a little bit about your um, the origins of your love of music when when did you sure. first realize that music was going to be a big part of your life
3: um, I and mean, there's a very specific memory when I was 14 years old and I played in this piano trio and I was like, had the, you know, it's like where you feel like you're part of something else. And mm-hmm. I thought, Oh, I'm going to do this for the rest of my life. But, oh, yeah. um, I started playing when I was violin, when I was about two years old, my mom teaches violin and is a singer and, um, you know, just sort of, you, you start to f- feel something really strongly um, early on and then you have a lot of of course I had a lot of questions about is this possible what does it mean to be a musician Um, what does it look like and for a long time I thought I was supposed to be just a classical violinist but I wanted to write music and sing and Mm -hmm. I've gotten really lucky to work with a lot of people since then.
0: How many instruments do you play?
3: I play I'll say I play the violin well The piano medium, and I (laughs) sing in my own way. I don't know if it's good or bad, but it's what I do. (laughs) It's very (laughs) Um, good. (laughs) And yeah, I can play like some other random things. Yeah. Yeah.
2: So, how much of a role did your mom play then in kind of like guiding you and your career? Was she a professional or just?
3: Um, uh, Yes, she she had been a professional singer, and then she took time off to have. All, all of us children <laughs> See, I gotcha. so. and uh and then she was a suzuki violin teacher so she taught three and four-year-olds violin and okay. she so she was just a wonderful um kind of guide early on right and right. um yeah and my dad is a, a doctor and amateur pianist and loves music but oh. is um tone deaf dad i love you sorry <laughs> i said that yeah
0: I, I don't want to go on too big of a detour but like the idea of teaching three and four-year-olds violin yeah. is so fascinating to me because when you teach ballet, you know it's your own body, and so three and four year olds they kind of just do things that are like it's athletic, or you're, you're skipping, or you're, you're running around. But you to have something outside of your own body yeah. that you're learning at three, what is yeah. that like?
3: Yeah, I, I mean, I don't remember it at all because uh-huh. I was. That was literally two. It was like you were sort of learning at the same time as as I was speaking. But I think about how kids learn to, you know, hold a fork or a spoon, like that Mm -hmm. dexterity. If you could do that, you can hold an instrument somehow and... And music does kind of function linguistically. And so it's really fun to watch kids kind of step into it. But the violin sounds terrible. I was going <laughs> to say, oh, <my> <laughs> yeah. it's one of those instruments that um, just sounds exquisite when it's played well. And yeah. There's a long, long period that requires patience from parents. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. <laughs> so when did you start to think, like, oh, maybe like the composition side of music is what I'm interested in?
3: Um, I started, you know, writing a few things when I was a teenager, but I didn't really know how to write music. It was mostly like, oh, I really like that Brahms sonata. I want to write something like that. And then mm-hmm. when I got, you know, in my 20s, I started writing music for friends, basically for people who are around me, not ever thinking it would be something that one could even do professionally. I don't, still don't even know if I, that's what I do. I don't really know what I do, but I like making music for people who are nearby. And now I write music for, you know, orchestras and singers that I don't necessarily know, but mm-hmm. um at its heart, it's about making things for friends.
0: Yeah. So it's interesting to me, you mentioned like, oh, that's Brahms Sonata is inspiring to me and I want to try something. In, maybe in that voice, it seems like a lot of people as they're finding their way into whatever respective art form, like Jamar Roberts was talking about how he, his early choreography was like, Jamar is Pina, Jamar is Balanchine. Yes, or like, right. if you go see like a Van Gogh exhibition, you see these works that are like really out of, outside of what we think of Van Gogh, then becoming Mm -hmm. so was that something you flirted with in the beginning like trying out these yourself in maybe voices you admire like composers you admire
1: yeah
3: i think so i love that you just that that jamar said that as well like you and you don't do it necessarily consciously when you're young you're Mm -hmm. sort of just stepping into something that you love right and i think that that's always something really important i think to keep in mind for young creators and and older creators like anyone creating something is create from a place of loving Mm -hmm. and then um you'll sort of find your way through that as long as you eventually hopefully get away from the the imitation right Um, Right. but i love learning within something and even now i still love to do that like i've have a project where i wrote a um, piano concerto based on beethoven's third piano concerto Mm -hmm. but i had like these little bits of quotes that are woven in and out Mm -hmm. which is Now, actually, a big ballet by Pam Tanowitz. (laughs) Um, And then this piece for Justin is kind of digging into uh, the Tchaikovsky music for the Chaipa, the Penda. Mm -hmm. And then, like, you know, finding like, what is the thing, what are the kernels and seeds of something that I love in here? What do I love about Tchaikovsky and how he thought about music? And then within that, finding something that's new and different. And of course, now I do a lot of my own stuff that's not quoting anything, but I like returning to that feeling of, I love this so much. Let me climb inside that skin and then like bust it open mm-hmm. with my own weird yeah. body. <laughs> so you're talking about this
2: piece that you're working on here at Veil Dance Festival with Justin yep. Peck. That's mm-hmm. an all new piece. Um, we were just the other night at the um, Up Close performance where oh, yeah. you and Damien Wetzel, the artistic director, were talking about. He he mentioned that some of the what did he what was the word he used? It was very. I wrote it down. He said, oh, the music makes you swoon. There's moments that make you swoon. And then you quoted kind of the inspiration for that and where that came from kind of within history. So that kind of makes me think, too, like you're saying some inspirations that you take from other choreographers or other composers.
3: Oh, yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. I think there's, you know, there's always some music that makes you swoon. It was the music that made us swoon when we were 15, the music that makes mm. you swoon now. Right. And, um, I'm, that's, I'm very, that was a very generous thing of Damien to say. <laughs> he says, he uh, says some very nice things. Um, mm-hmm. but I think, you know, and letting yourself enjoy that feeling. Um, and there are a lot of different things, but I also love music that makes me feel itchy and makes me feel angry or makes me feel a lot of different things. But mm-hmm. the sense of being carried away by something or accessing something that you don't, you can't in any other way, Mm -hmm. Um, that's really, I mean, that's the, that's music. That's the thing. And you can't do it all the time and you can't have a whole piece that does that, but you make a piece of music that hopefully surrounds that one moment Mm -hmm. and hopefully there's something.
0: (laughs) I think it's, it's great too that Damien used that word because if you think about to me, at least Tchaikovsky at large, like there's always this like sort of beautiful, I guess, Sentimental, sometimes romantic and very. melancholy, mm-hmm. and like that, Tchaikovsky is such a swoon. So this he's is, a,
3: you a know, <laughs> <laughs> he's, I know he's so. Uh, yeah, it's very. I mean, there's like I'm sure there's a whole book written about the sentimentality and Tchaikovsky and a lot of ballet music. I mean, now we hear it with a frame of of nostalgia and all like every time you hear it, it, you're building on all the times you've heard it before. Mm -hmm. um, Which is, I think is a really interesting thing that music can do. I'm sure this way with, you see with dance, you see, you see the same thing. You see it, you've seen it many times before and you're building on that memory. Right. Mm -hmm. So let's
0: talk a little bit about the origins of this piece um, because it'll help us understand too, how you collaborate within dance. Mm -hmm. Um, So, there's this commission, Justin's making new ballet, Justin Peck, he wants to, he is a huge admirer. I mean, it was mm-hmm. so fun to see Justin, like, you know, fangirl over you. Yeah. Oh, date. this is me. <laughs> um, But... Uh, it's me, the feeling is
3: mutual. Yeah. Yeah.
0: At what point um, do you guys start conversation about what sort of expectations are? Mm. Do, who, is there a typical way this works? Like, does the choreographer say, this is my concept, and you have a back and forth, mm. or... What's what's the range in there in terms of mm. assignments? I guess.
3: <laughs> yeah, right. I, they you know I think every you know choreographer is a little bit different. Some want to have a long process of like back and forth and trying things, and sometimes it's an electronic score and it's. But for this project we knew there was a very clear date <laughs> right a very clear um sort of time we wanted it to be between you know seven and ten minutes mm-hmm. and i wanted to work with brooklyn rider the string quartet that's here that i love and so that already kind of puts it into some framework right. and then justin and i took a long walk um in new york sometime earlier this spring it was right before he had his baby mm-hmm. and um and we talked he talked about wanting to do a pas de deux and thinking about that form and mm-hmm. I you know, sort of know a little bit about it and I said that's I love diving into old forms like that as well and then kind of pushing outside of it which I did in a piece called Partita freight voices which actually mm-hmm. Justin's going to choreograph right later. um but you so I I kind of did a deep dive into what the the parts of it are Mm -hmm. and he explained to me so there's usually like a there's a beginning and then they (laughs) dance together and then there's a male variation a female variation they come back together and then it's like show off time back and forth right and then they do something and then it's a big hit at the end so what if we do that but kind of subvert it a little bit like Armand's variation is not low and heavy and oompa like Mm -hmm. things normally are for the male variation it's very very light um, I love thinking about Tyler's entrance and like when she's going, kind of, like how does she enter in this, in the, like at the end? And mm-hmm. I wrote this big like chromatic flourish that I think mm-hmm. is really fun. Yes. Um, And then we came here and I had I had written most of the music last month and had a kind of MIDI robot version of it that you oh, could listen okay. to. And we're changing a little bit of it here um, as it goes. And then of course, once you hand the music to the musicians, it comes alive in a totally okay. different way.
0: Right. Mm. I'm super curious. Um, mm. I guess in particular about the the male variation, firstly, in yeah. that the quote that you take there is from the potida Yes. <laughs> uh, and secondly, the use of pizzicata. It's like, to me, there are two um, points in ballet. There's a Ramona, Ramona variation that has that and then a Sylvia potata variation. And oh. of course, it's both for the woman. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> are, were you aware of that? Or is that something that you could, as Justin saying, he wants to sort of like subvert the idea of what a Mm. male variation is were you thinking like oh this this is gonna evoke that feeling and or
3: i didn't know about the specific references to sylvia and the other one but mm -hmm. i did think very specifically about wanting to create a you know more traditionally light i guess we Mm -hmm. would say feminine sounding Mm -hmm. music for like it's like to dial that in but for him um yeah. and we, we talked about that right. yeah just changing
0: it a little bit right yeah but then choosing to use the patada as a quote versus like the female variation is that just
3: that i think i just like the music you better just
1: like a, yeah. Yes, yeah. <laughs> i just <laughs> <Yeah>. like it's <laughs> a little bit intuitive curious, yeah. sometimes
3: you're, you're listening i actually when i do something like this i listen like kind of obsessively to the music and mm-hmm. like just on repeat for hours and just let it uh kind of marinate. And then the salient elements will kind of pop out. It's like, oh, that phrase is a thing that's really delicious and mm-hmm. loopable. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and then you kind of sample it and right. work from there. So it just happened to be from the pas de right,
2: right.
1: I love
3: that. Is that a challenge
2: at all to make sure that you are taking these quotes here and there and you're kind of doing something inspired on something that already mm-hmm. exists, but still making it your own? Because it really it strikes such a balance to us. We were oh, totally. like, there's just like these little moments and you pick them out and you know, but then the rest
3: is obviously you. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I, I used to be actually you know, I decided early on not to be too concerned with it. I think in pop music, the sampling is a big thing. So mm-hmm. you, right. you, you know, a hip hop artist will pick a, a phrase of something and, and loop it and sample it. And that reference becomes a huge part of the, of the piece. And mm-hmm. then the song is something different. And, I kind of like it when an audience is kind of confused about whether they're hearing my music or Tchaikovsky. Oh, like, you're not sh- quite sure. It, yeah. For me, it feels like a, a dream. You know, if you have a dream and you see you see a face that you're not quite sure what it is and right. then it twists into something else. Yeah. I think it's a really fun thing to do with music. and. I mean, I hope that people don't think that I think that I wrote some of the tchaikovsky right, right, like, right. like, I'm very keenly aware that, right. <laughs> that But there's, is a quote.
0: There's a long history within music of, of doing that sort of thing. Oh, and specifically, yeah. even within the ballet world, there's like, I'm thinking of this um, clip. I, I hope I don't misquote Stravinsky. But it's something like, they're oh. talking about, I think maybe Bézé de la Fe. he does a Numb with a Lonely Heart quote mm. at the end. And it's Stravinsky in black and white film. And it's like, I, it's okay. I'm allowed to take from Tchaikovsky. I'm allowed because I love Tchaikovsky, and he knows. You oh, know? really? i feel Yeah. Like,
3: oh, that is. I gotta find that something along video?
0: those lines. It, it's in definitely in the Balanchine documentary somewhere.
3: I feel exactly the same way. It's like yeah. I, oh, a. I feel like you can. T- I mean, anyone when I'm dead, you can do whatever you yeah. want with my music. You can put it on record. Um, and and I also feel like I interact with music that I love. Like it's mm-hmm. out of. I love it. I deeply yeah. really love the music. I also think, I mean, some of it is really silly. Sometimes I don't think Tchaikovsky did like the greatest thing ever, but yeah. I'd love him and his music and how he thinks about it. Mm. And, um, so yeah, I do feel like a little permission. It's like, you, it's like, Oh, he's a friend of mine.
2: It's yeah. Like,
1: hey.
3: <laughs> yeah. I love that. Yeah. I do want to go back a little bit
2: to, so you're playing violin, you're playing, you know, the piano when, how many other instruments do you have to try to like dabble in a little bit in order to write a score for? Oh, yeah, like like you do.
3: Um, you know, it's it's funny. I, I can like if you're writing a score for orchestra, mm-hmm. it's not expected that you can be a great trumpet player, sure. but you generally know how the trumpet and the clarinet and the bassoon work, right? Um, I would never, you know, I know that I'll never really play the bassoon right (laughs) um but i play this i mean i know all string instruments really well so generally when i write i kind of put the hard kind of complicated stuff with them and Mm -hmm. and i leave the others to be more vocal um it's not expected that you can certainly not that you can play everything but that you're familiar with the instrument and for me i like to be familiar with the people who play the instrument and the Mm -hmm. tradition of that like i don't want to just write for you know Bob the bassoonist and I don't care who he is and like just do whatever I say So like right. but what are what do bassoonists like to play and, and what is how does their instrument work really well it's like when you choreograph for a dancer it's not just like do this no matter who you are but like right what is, oh, what is this person speaking? So I like to think about it. I
0: do think that that's interesting because you're already like revealing something of your own compositional style. Like Mm -hmm. I imagine, like we've talked to a range of choreographers and some people are so interested and invested in the idea of what they can draw out of specific dancers. And some people come in with a a vision. I mean, to me, that's like Balanchine versus Robbins. Like Balanchine took individual talents and then wanted to, you know use that for his own talent and then Robbins would come in with like a set idea and mold you into it
1: oh interesting So i
0: guess you're going the balancing route you want <laughs>
3: <laughs> it's a mix i think that's the ideal is to to mm-hmm. be able to work with someone so closely that you're really writing for them and i think that's a great metaphor for life and community it's like mm-hmm. you 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 see each other and recognize each other but i also i mean the reality is that I often don't get to interact with people that much. So I do have to write the score ahead of time. And I'm not interacting with Bob the yeah. bassoonist.
1: Right.
3: <laughs> so, um, but you, I try to think of them as people and their health. Too. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Right.
2: So what happens when you come to Vail and you have this, like you said, you worked on writing the music ahead of time. You come mm-hmm. here and you sit down with Brooklyn Rider. What is that like? Is there any sort of back and forth with them? And I'm sure you were writing this for them. You knew it was going to be yeah. for them and you know them well.
3: Yeah, it's a little, there's a little back and forth. I mean, a lot of the stuff had to be in place just for, for Justin and for Tyler and Armand to have something to listen to before Brooklyn Rider could get there. But when we had our first rehearsal, which was yesterday, which feels like a year ago, mm-hmm. every day here is a year. Yes. Oh, absolutely. My God. Um, uh, we talked about, I mean, certain things like tempo for sure. And Justin will kind of adjust that, and that with, right. especially with, with the dancers and then articulation. So like, for instance, they were playing one section very, short like da, 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 da. and i would say what if it was like dun, 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 which changes the quality completely and you could see it with tyler like it just changed so a lot of those subtle shifts which i i mean i would imagine in dance you you just shift the quality of the movement it changes everything mm-hmm. and you can't put that on paper you can't put it in words you have to see it or hear it and like yeah
0: this is so interesting to me because i've always wondered about uh, you know, there's so, so much discussion in dance about how things get lost over generations mm-hmm. um, and dance is really difficult to write down mm. um, and video can be, you know, it's the best thing we have but it's not always the, you can't directly, you need the com, the choreographer or mm-hmm. the coach or whoever mm-hmm. yeah. to do that. So do you like, with music for instance if you were looking at something mozart composed and if you were to play it now like do you think mozart would come and be like this is this quality is literally wrong <laughs> like if you're not I there yeah
3: I, I i know um well there's i will say there's endless discussion about this in the music world uh-huh. like how do you play how actually literally that exact thing do you play it or dun 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 or boom 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 like there's so many different things you right. can do and at some point it's like does it i don't i i feel like mozart was a great musician and he would have appreciated a lot of different ways of playing something mm-hmm. um but there's a whole you know industry based on people wanting to decide exactly how Bach and Mozart and Handel one of the music played
0: yeah. so for you as a composer though do you like when there are moments where you know your work's being done but you're not there to oversee it you don't feel particularly precious about that sort of thing
3: I, you know, I could feel precious about it, but I think it would make my life a lot more difficult and unhappy. <laughs> and and I think that life is is short and brief and beautiful, and you've got to let people do what they want to do. And if I try. I, what I really think about when I'm writing music, putting it down on the page, is what is that information telling someone mean, it's interesting like something so with with dance because you can't like some things you can write down some things you can't but yeah. what information do you give to someone so that they feel empowered to make some decisions on their own so it's like oh yes it's this motion or it's this note but how i play it is a little bit up to me which i think is really nice because it means people can a be more creative and invested in what they're doing um And don't feel like they're just executing something that is meant to be repeated exactly the same way. I mean, I have a lot of questions for you about ballet, which we can do not on this podcast.
0: (laughs) Oh, just just like
3: you know, this there's tradition, like especially in anything that has a tradition and has been done before, and there are expectations. Where how to what extent do you honor that tradition and expectations and the and the idea of perfection? At what point do you step away from it? And I mean
2: no i mean it's so funny because i was as you were talking about that i was like i see so many parallels mm-hmm. right especially in something like we're so familiar with balancing but something like that where there really is like this very strict tradition and it needs to be done x y and z way mm-hmm. and then it's like how do you add yourself on top of that mm-hmm. and inevitably there's always so many ways like he left mm-hmm. room for it right like you're saying kind yeah. of yeah, for yeah. you to like make it your own but still honor the choreography because as dancers that's what it's like the most important thing is to make sure that the choreographer's vision is coming across. Mm-hmm. And then after that, you kind of put on top. Mm. So it's like so parallel to what you're talking about.
3: As dancers, have you found? Do you find you have different relationships with different choreo, You know, choreographers living in de- yeah. Okay, of right. <laughs> well, it's, of course. Yeah, but like what you can put bring to yourself in it and what mm-hmm. is
2: explained. Yeah. Well, it's kind of like what you're saying. It's like I always felt like we sort of knew Balanchine mm-hmm. a little bit just through his work, right? Just oh. like you would say for Tchaikovsky for example yeah. you know and i guess for us too it's like we still are, have some generations that are alive to tell us mm. what it was like but it feels mm. yeah like like that
0: yeah i mean this isn't this is kind of separate from the conversation but i'm just thinking every time we get into a conversation with like with a musician um I come into it thinking like it's this very exotic separate thing. And then by the end of it, I'm like, Oh, we're doing the same thing. thing. (laughs) I mean, when you bring up Bob, the bassoonist and, and and then I'm just like, Oh, that's just like, I mean, you're a composer and you may not be intimately familiar with that instrument, but it's the same way where like Justin's never put on a point Point shoe, shoe. you know, it's just uh, the composer or the Mm -hmm. choreographer, you Mm -hmm. both have to have like an awareness of all these different tools, even if you haven't necessarily experienced it for yourself.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
2: So yeah. true. So when did you first start um, working with dance and especially so intimately?
3: Oh, let's see. I mean, I love – I was like, I loved dance as a kid. I went to ballet. Um, <laughs> and I wore a red, red velvet dress to my first nutcracker. But um, but I, I was never – I was a terrible dancer. I started playing for dance classes in um, grad school and I was living – yeah, I started playing for dance classes when I was about 22, 23. Oh. And I – Fell in love. I was like, yeah. this, I was at a point where I music was something that I loved, but was trying to kind of I didn't understand quite what the classical world was doing and what, you know, what does music do for people? how why do you, why do you write it? And then I started playing for classes and you're making music that serves something that's mm-hmm. very much in front of you and is functional and also um is sort of important, but also not important. I always love that. like the it's not about, you know, the, the composer is not the most, the musician is not the most important thing in the room. You're meant to serve something else. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a really wonderful way to start thinking about writing music. And, um, and then I started of course, meeting dancers and making like little pieces that I'd record at home for people and things like that. But I, I love the seeing um music change the quality of someone's movement, especially in a really great dancer. Like you would I'd look in class you see like lots of really good dancers. And they see that one person who is like absolutely like, in it in a really particular way, it's very inspiring. Yeah. But I also just love the, I've always loved, you know, pairings of music and art and music and anything visual. Music mm-hmm. music is really visual and textural to me, so mm-hmm. dance is a
0: natural kind of combination. Mm-hmm. It makes me wonder about, like, when you, obviously you love dance and you attend performances and you are an integral part of the dance world at this point, yeah. but you must um, be especially in tune with something that we all look for in dancers I hope but a sense of musicality is that something that mm-hmm. does that kind of become like the overriding um, uh, connection for you ever or like if, if there's someone I can think of a few dancers that I that mm-hmm. are acclaimed mm-hmm. but I would categorize as unmusical and maybe mm-hmm. a dancer could get over that but I don't know as a musician do you ever see someone who's just like you know it's just unforgivable <laughs> i <I'm> forget- <laughs> <laughs>
3: you know i don't know enough about it to to ever criticize someone for being unmusical but i can say that i can recognize when someone is when they when they're right. very musical when they're very musical i can yeah. see that can we talk about tyler Peck for once yeah. one yeah, second? I oh my yeah. oh yeah and and Erman, but like i mean everyone talks about tyler's musicality but it's true there's certain like it's not just where you you know land the end of the phrase mm-hmm. with your hand it's not just a timing thing it's um yeah. It's just a reaction. It's mm-hmm. really, she can play with the music. Yeah. She can play with yeah, yeah. She's not just following it. She's right. not just, it's yeah. Mm-hmm. She's like on
2: top of it. That's the other thing too, that I find you have to be like on top of the music, not like waiting for it to react to it. You know, it's like knowing yeah. exactly but what comes like next.
0: Our own sheet training. Some people, <laughs> some people really think that they're like, Makarova was famously like at the Back. reactionary yeah but people think like because she is was so able to like evoke right what mm-hmm. the music made you feel mm-hmm. that that makes her musical or mm-hmm. you know it's like I think, so i also obviously there's no like exact definition of, like what is a musical dancer right, but, right. Like, actually i was curious us, but
3: if you were going to define that what is it what what does that mean? Cause of course there's also many kinds of dancers who aren't in ballet who dance with every kinds of music and there's different kinds of musicality. Right. 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 So yeah. We, yeah, I would say it's like that, that
2: dancing on the music and like mm-hmm. clearly knowing what comes next. But then for me, it's also like if you're going to balance and you hit a balance and it's a really good balance, <laughs> you don't stay. If the music tells you you're supposed to go on, you go mm-hmm. on. Like even if your balance is really good, you mm-hmm. know, but maybe that is just like a balancing kind of thing. Well,
0: I, or like, you know, um, I don't know if you've met Jeanette Delgado. Obviously you know Patty. Oh yeah. Um but Patricia's oh, right. sister. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Oh right. Yeah. yeah.
3: Did you both dance with her? Yeah, yes. and both of them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Um but Jeanette is someone who has a uh, major um major technical uh
2: abilities. Abilities.
0: Like <laughs> she's just a force of nature. But sometimes she would pull things off but it was about the way that she would then continue to respond right like she mm-hmm. would just she would very cleverly you know make the next thing a little more concise or you right. know so that it would hmm. be she could have the moment the glory right. but without like announcing it and then having like missing the next thing right. you know mm-hmm. so she's it, exceptionally musical. it feels
2: like a respect for the music you know like that was still like her driving force even mm-hmm. though she had a great
0: balance or
1: had a great time. This is
3: wild to me to think of someone like getting, having a really good balance and then just staying there because it was good. Really? People do that?
0: Oh, I mean, I don't know if this is true, but I've heard about like people like adding repeats in the score, which would like Like, just, just to watch someone do it like a 20 count balance. Oh yeah. There was a specific dancer. I won't name, but who is very famous for the the balancing act, mm. and I'm pretty sure that they would just like, yeah. I mean, or they slow too. it to a crawl where it just oh right doesn't even right. sound like music. Oh, Someone who is one of my favorite dancers again, I won't name them because like, I guess I'm dragging them, <laughs> but and <laughs> she's amazing. Yeah. But there's this variation in Giselle in the second act of Giselle, uh-huh. and um, she comes out of the grave, and there are two sequences. And one is very impressive when it's done very quickly. And then the other, if you have a huge jump, which she did, can be done very slowly. So mm. she's like, comes out and, she, and it's like, as fast as she can go. Then she runs to the corner and they slow it down. I was just like, this is such a distortion of the music oh. that I can't even watch it, even though it's amazing. Right. So
2: that's, that's actually interesting that I hope something I want to ask you, because yeah. I do feel like sometimes I can tell when you download the music from a ballet.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, any classical ballet. It's always played at a different tempo, I feel like, than we would dance it. And oh, yeah. so, so I always wonder, like, oh, for the orchestra, this must be their like preferred tempo. And likely a lot of times it's faster than maybe mm-hmm. you would be able to dance it at. Mm-hmm. So is that something that you take into account when you're creating for dance? Or and is there ever a time when you're like, oh man, they had to slow that down so much for the dancer or whatever distorting and then it's, the melody it's
3: or hmm. No, I I try to write thinking like knowing that things will change a little bit, right. and and that's okay. Like it's way more important. Like if you know. Tyler says, I just need this to be a tiny bit faster or slower. Like, yeah. please, mm-hmm. by all means. <laughs> uh, <laughs> whatever you want. Whatever, whatever, you, whatever you want. <laughs> and it's also built into, the, like, it's new music. It's never, I don't have a sense of what it should be yet. Right. And as a composer, sometimes you, there's no one right way. I mean, sometimes it's just on Tuesday, I decided that's what the note was going to be. Right. And yeah. and I believe in the flexibility in that. Mm-hmm. And things should be malleable, Um so I'm not, you know, even if it's interject- like the story you just told, it's like maybe that was a complete just maybe it was totally distorted and really bad. But I think I, I think I've grown a lot. I think in my 20s, I would have said like, oh, music, like why were they change this music? And now I'm like, sure, just like add repeats, do what you need to do. Like it's okay. It's okay. It's um you know, do what makes you feel mm-hmm. happy. I'm not, I don't think we should be super protective of something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh,
0: so it sounds like you really enjoy these parameters that um, creating for dance uh, yeah. put up. So when you don't have those, like if you just have a commission, where it's just like, Caroline, we, we need I something. that's. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, do you make your own parameters? Like, does that feel, do you enjoy that more or less? Or what, what are some of the principal differences in creating for ballet and then creating for a, a different medium?
3: Oh uh, yeah. It's a good, question because i've, I've had a lot sometimes it's like yeah i know what would you here's, do whatever you want i was like actually could you just tell me a little yeah. bit <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and usually there's you know it's a very strict like it's an orchestra or it's a choir or it's a string quartet or it's mm-hmm. a particular singer and then you take whatever parameters are available and usually there's a general time limit it's like it's either five minutes or 45 minutes and mm-hmm. work within that um i think the difference between maybe the slight difference between what i make for dance is that A, I'm thinking about the history of just like dance music. Mm -hmm. And I like thinking about that. Um, And I'm thinking about counts and I'm a little more attuned to the sense of regularity of rhythm and meter. Like I don't make it easy. I'm not making it. Everything is in eights and fours, Mm -hmm. but leaning more towards that than I would in something else Um, and making sure entrances like actually we changed something yesterday where I had the viola kind of enter like on the half bar and like a half it was, and it was actually really hard for, it was just hard to follow. Mm -hmm. There's no reason for that. It's not important. Let's just clip it and Uh have him enter on the beginning of the bar. It makes Mm -hmm. everyone's life easier Mm -hmm. (laughs) and it makes everyone feel better. And um, that's something that I feel like is, I've just noticed even it goes back to playing for dance classes where I wouldn't just play anything in a three. I'd think about the making a harmony that is intuitively understood for Mm -hmm. people so that you can do what you need to do um, and not be, you know, trying to find it but then you also insert little challenges where right. there are like i mean there is complexity and challenges in there that you have to find but not 100 percent of the time right um and i asked maybe i don't do that in all of my other music either but i'm a little i'm a little more squishy with some things yeah 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 that makes sense
0: now i wanted to know about um something you mentioned last night in the, in the up close where you have different versions i mean mm-hmm. uh so what prompts oh yeah that kind of moment is that related to a discussion with Justin where he needs something and he's not Mm. quite sure and so you have to come up with alternatives
3: because you were saying you had three different versions right of the ending yeah. or something actually this are in addition to the f- original version that i had so i was uh, the first version of the ending that i'd sent a month ago had this long like big long obvious tchaikovsky quote which is kind of fun it was like it would be a big crowd pleaser and it yeah. would be like oh i love this right and, um too on the nose it was two on the nose damien felt, felt it I, everyone felt it it's like, too much so it's like all right let's just clip that out let's yeah. do something else and then i got to do what i love which is actually write music to the to the dance because mm-hmm. he had already choreographed the ending. So I took a little video and I got to, you know, I got to see Herman and Tyler doing this full out the last, whatever, four eights. Mm-hmm. And I was like, all right, what is that? And then, I mean, that's what you always want. That's that's the ideal. It's not, I don't really love writing music ahead of time and then letting someone do something to it, but like writing to the movement. So then in this case, he was he was making something that was combining like lots of quick gestures and i think little references at tchaikovsky just i don't know the ending is really fabulous Mm -hmm. and i thought well i could write something that's really fast that matches that or what i did and what i think he liked is that it suddenly breaks right there and Mm -hmm. becomes the splintered pizzicato that Mm -hmm. like feels like it's falling apart that looks to me like what the painting the painting of the dance looks like Mm -hmm. which is really fun
0: that's so interesting to me i love that that's so fascinating because i that's just probably I mean, I I don't know of any instance in our career where there was a new work being made where the composer got to. It's the the flip, the flip total flip. You normally music first, right? I mean, always, uh, yeah, always yeah. first, and then dance later. Well,
2: I can think of one example of that. Maybe was from Vale Dance Festival with you and Buck, Lil Buck. Oh yeah. Okay, we have to we have to oh, yeah, we tell have to you nerd out before so that music this is the one that you guys created was it like 2018 ish yeah
3: maybe? we're gonna do i think we're doing it again actually
2: <gasps> or, we, we're working on it we had a little bit yeah. okay wait. <laughs> so you have to hear this this is like that was the theme song of our entire time it's so Bale. funny
0: to like rebecca and i would just sing it to each other and all the time like can you key. sing it could you sing it now oh that's so embarrassing. embarrassing no it's like a repetitive okay, okay ready no no <laughs> So let's do it. No, you don't. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah.
2: But what I really want to know is, do you it's have so that on something that I can listen to regularly? Because it's, it's like, oh my God. Oh my do you, God. you think we could like play it at the end of the podcast for people?
0: Oh, <gasps> we love it. It's, it was our favorite. It's I mean, so good. I think at this point, probably. Ooh, our listen-
2: yeah.
1: That sounds uh, a little yeah. more like what <laughs> it's supposed to be. <laughs> yeah. um, but so,
2: but that. Was a little more of this kind of like dance was being created as this. No, yes, 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 definitely.
3: yeah. We we decided that was the piece where I wanted to make something completely at veil mm-hmm. side by side mm-hmm. talking to him, and, and I had Buck come to my um, room and record, which actually ha- he just did again yesterday. So I have a whole more new recording of <gasps> Buck talking. It's like we should just do something more with this. Yeah, um, making it really together. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: You know, I I, listening to you say that it was you like this flip version of uh, working where the other art form comes first made me think, um, have you worked a lot in film ever? Because obviously, that's the way that works. Yeah. You you edit the scene and then, you know, Mm -hmm. then the composer sees and tries to like, you know, lift whatever mood the scene is trying to capture
3: yeah that's what that's why i think it's so funny that dance is uh, i guess i mean i didn't think it was always flipped but i guess it is in and in film it's obviously the other way around with occasional exceptions Mm -hmm. um i i also like that i've dipped into film scoring a little bit here and there it's like i don't want to do that all the time but i do i love scoring to picture Mm -hmm. you have something to look at there's a an emotional quality or a person or character or a space or time limits that you can work Mm -hmm. within and um i find it really Fun. I mean, a lot of the music that I write, co- even concert music not related to anything else, is like I'm thinking of a painting or an art form or a, something that I saw mm-hmm. and almost scoring that. Like if that was music, what would it be? Mm-hmm. Um Actually, Tyler's doing this piece called Thousandth Orange, which is a yes, piano yeah. and strings. Mm-hmm. And that was just this idea of like, what is the beauty of an orange? And like if you saw this orange twisted like many – it's like actually thinking about Van Gogh and how he would paint sunflowers over oh. and over and over again. What would that sound like if you heard that many times mm-hmm. Over many years, mm-hmm. anyway. Mm-hmm. So that's beautiful. We should, but there should be way more of the flip in dance yeah. and dance music. I mean, I mean, we would love that, right? <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. Well, that's so cool. I don't know. I think there's a commission in there, right? Right. Yeah. Like, Uh-oh. I don't know. It seems like, yeah. like an experiment. maybe this needs to mm-hmm. happen. It, yeah. I don't. Know, it just seems like it seems like surely someone has done that.
3: I right? mean, people people do do it. I guess there's some choreographers who like to chore to choreograph without music, mm-hmm. and then you add something later, but. Yeah. It depends on what the relationship is. Yeah, well, I guess
0: like Cunningham. I mean, it's all done. S- Those are separate, though. They're yeah. never
3: meant to really like. Yeah, yeah. yeah really, yeah, that's, the that's whole point. true. The music isn't meant to.
0: Right. So we were kind of it, be though. like Cunningham, but with the composer being like, I'm trying to make this work. Right.
1: <laughs> right. Yeah. Right.
3: Actually, it was, it was interesting with Pam, making a piece with Pam two years ago, where we also made it side by side. And but she also has come from a Cunningham background, so she didn't really want the music to actually work perfectly with mm-hmm. it. She's like, "Don't I don't want you to I don't want to dance to the music, and I want you to write for the dance. I want them to be side by side, but I can't really help it." Uh-huh. <laughs> like, you know, I was that like, "Well, I see, you know, there's something. There's always some relationship if yeah. you whether you make it intentional or not. Mm-hmm.
2: And what about um, during this past year, um, dance moved to film so much. Is that something that you were at all involved with doing any scoring for?" dance that then went on film. film
3: i didn't no i didn't do any this no. year i yeah some other projects i was i really missed i really missed live things yeah a lot yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah so
0: what are some of the live things you might have coming up in the next year or so as live theater live the- stuff. so we're so grateful is coming back
3: thank goodness i know i miss i miss live theater so much um i'm there's a a juggling company in London run by Sean Gandini.
1: Wow. <laughs> and
3: this is a, a company, this is the company that did the Met Opera's Akhenaten with the Philip Glass mm-hmm. Opera. And there's, it's in the back of this Philip Glass Opera was a, a juggling company. they were sort of integrated throughout. So it's like dance, but with these objects.
0: I wanted to see that so bad. It's, I mean, I think it everyone was talking about somewhere. it. Yeah.
3: Yeah. But this is a, um, anyway, he's a really interesting mind and he, um, we're making something together. I'm very excited about cool. that. Um, yeah. Writing a bunch of stuff. Uh, this big pile. This is, my phone is like telling me the things I'm supposed to be doing,
1: but <laughs> I really
2: just
3: want to sit outside. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's so beautiful here. What about
2: your um, album that you put out in June of 2021? Tell us a little bit about that. We were listening to it while we prepared for our podcast. Oh.
3: It's called Let the Soil Play Its Simple Part, and it is a deep collaboration between a percussion quartet called So Percussion. They live in Brooklyn, four guys, um, and myself. And I had previously worked with them on another project. We decided, what if we go into a studio and and I don't come in like a composer like I usually do where I'm like directing everything and here's the stuff. Right. Um, But like just writing songs together. So we wrote these 10 songs there's texts from poet ann carson and some old like shape note hymn texts and some of my own um hope you like it <laughs> where, where can we listen to it you can listen to it wherever you listen to music okay. <laughs> preferably not spotify but i use spotify too uh-huh. right. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well thank you so much this thank you i feel like i could ask you back a million questions Maybe we should do another so podcast fun. where i just ask you questions
1: okay and, you let's know, do it <laughs> Anytime. For me. thank you for thank you when I was 13. I started to climb when I was 13. I started to climb when I was 13. 13. chicken is the house is the house. Foundation. I feel it with so much substance. Foundation. I feel it with so much substance. Foundation. Nice. It's going to be so uh, Every step is the downbeat. Hey Daniel, Joanne, Mickey, Terry, Arthur, Riley, Charles. Maybe I could say. Maybe something. I could say something. Maybe I could say something. Maybe I could say I say Maybe I could say I say Maybe I could say something. Maybe I could say Maybe I could say something. Maybe I could say something. Maybe I say